Everybody, let's welcome in. We got the whole family with us today, locally, all the way to globally, all of our campuses, all of our friends, all of our family. What is up, everybody? Hey, I wanna, I wanna give you all some good news. Last year, the UN said that global warming is close to spiraling out of control, and they sounded a code red for humanity. The UN food chief just said that 345 million people are marching towards uh, starvation because of the war in Ukraine. COVID death toll sits at just about 6.6 million people around the world. Just uh, not long ago, President Biden came out and said that the world is at risk of nuclear Armageddon. Persecution's on the rise. Uh, about 5,000, at least 5,898 Christians died for their faith last year around the world. 85% of U.S. adults say the country is headed in the wrong direction. Atlanta has the second highest inflation in the country. All right. 40% of pastors, I know this, have given serious consideration to quitting full-time ministry in the last year. Since COVID, one in three practicing Christians stopped attending services. In the past 20 years, the percent of people who have no religious affiliation in the U.S. has grown from 8% to 25%. Nuns is uh, the fastest growing religion in the country. Nearly 20% of high school students reported contemplating suicide. From 20 to 21, the number of children 6 to 17 in one year, the number of children 6 to 17 years old diagnosed with gender dysphoria jumped 70%. How many of y'all have noticed that things are a little bit stormy right now? Come on, it seems like now more than ever, the winds are blowing, right? It, now more than ever, it feels like it's kind of hard to find some sure footing for our feet because it's the things that used to be commonly accepted as true we're now told are untrue. The things that used to be right, now we're told those things are no longer right. It's like everything's being flipped on its head. But here's the reality, guys. These things should not surprise us or catch us off guards because Jesus told us about these things. In fact, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him this in Matthew 24. They said, hey, when's all this stuff gonna happen that you've been talking about? Tell us about the signs of the end of the age. And Jesus says, hey guys, watch out that no one deceives you. In other words, you're gonna pick up on this word a lot. All throughout the New Testament, there's a whole lot of deception. There's a whole lot of things that are said that are true that are not true out there in the world. So you better watch out for deception because many are gonna come in my name claiming I'm the, I'm the Messiah and they will deceive many. Let's roll over this verse. You will hear of wars, rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation's gonna rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's gonna be famines. There's gonna be earthquakes in various places. And all these things, listen, they're just the beginning of birth pains. In other words, the baby's not here yet. There's just a little bit of rattling. Things are being shaken. Because then you're gonna be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear in what they will deceive many people. And because the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Wow, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Woo! Nice and easy, live your best life now. Come on, somebody. So encouraging. No, come on, Here, here's, here's what I love about scripture. Is scripture doesn't candy coat things. Because here's what I know, a lot of us, we come into church and we're like, woo, just take, a, just take a breath from reality, but then you have to go back out there. Come on, Midtown, you gotta, you gotta hit traffic in like 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the real world is out there, so Jesus prepares us for Monday. Come on, somebody, a lot of us are living to Sunday to take a breath, but Jesus is trying to prepare us for Monday. What's it like to live out there? And here's really what Jesus is trying to say in Matthew 24. He's saying, guys, just because I died for the sins of the world and rose again doesn't mean that everything's gonna be perfect. In fact, things are gonna get a lot worse before they get a lot better when I come back to make all things new. And he says it here in Matthew 24. He says there's gonna be deception. There's gonna be wars. There's gonna be famines. There's gonna be earthquakes. There's gonna be persecution. There's gonna be hatred. And what's it gonna do? All that is gonna accumulate into this. It's gonna cause the love of even Christians to grow cold. And it's gonna get so bad. Listen, and maybe this shines the light on what we see in the world around us. This, this unstabling, this, this, this shaking, this chaos, what it's gonna do, it's actually gonna get Christians to the point where they betray and hate each other. Is that called Twitter? I think is what that's called, right? <laughs> but, come on, I love big butts in the Bible. Come on. <laughs> but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us three truths about storms, okay? Here's the first thing. He says, things are gonna be hard, guys. Guys, I got bad news. If, if when you came to faith in Jesus, the pastor was like, hey guys, welcome. Everything's gonna be awesome from now on. He lied to you. Because Jesus says, in this world, you're gonna have troubles. Okay, things are gonna be hard. It's not just all rainbows and unicorns once you say the sinner's prayer, okay? Here's the second thing that Jesus tells us about storms is that I must endure difficulties without growing cold. How many of you know, right, when, when crisis hits, when chaos hits, when destabilization happens, people go one of two ways. You either like, you do like Job's wife, like curse God and die, right, or you draw close to God. You either get cold or you get hot. And what Jesus says is, hey, make sure that in, in the moment of crisis that your love does not grow cold. And here's the third thing that Jesus tells us about storms is that I can stand firm in the storm. I can stand firm in the storm. Come on, everybody, let's say that together. All the campuses, I can stand firm in the storm. Yeah. Come on, praise God. I, I, I we are not helpless and hopeless victims to circumstances. Come on, when life hits, we don't just roll over and play dead. Come on, we can stand firm in the chaos, in the mental torment, in the boss issues, in the world issues, in the political issues. And if I get another text from Herschel Walker, goodness gracious issues. Got another one from Warnock this morning. Come on, guys. Come on, if I just, another one. There is a way to stand firm no matter what's happening in the world around us. And that is what we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks, okay? 
because the storms are here. And what Jesus says is, worse storms are coming. And listen, I want you, I want your kids, I want your community, and I want victory to be a people who stand firm to the end and are saved. And there is a way in a world where everybody is depressed and angry and confused and, and hostile and canceling and lustful and greedy and idolatrous and wondering and wandering. There is a way to stand firm to the end. Who wants to stand firm to the end and be saved? There is a way to do it. And the way we stand firm to the end is by being anchored to the right things, is by being anchored to the right things. Now, here, here's a little bit of history, okay? Some of y'all didn't know this. As early as the first century, in other words, right off the bat, the anchor was a symbol of Christianity. Right off the bat, again, it's in a fishing culture, right? But it's, it's not too hard <laughs> to see how they associated it with the cross, right? And there's so many parallels here. Let's think about it like this. Here's the big idea, right? What does a ship's anchor do? A ship's anchor holds it firm, holds it secure. You drop anchor in immovable things that will not move. Come on, that will not drag. That when you anchor to those things, you will not be lost. And here's the truth, guys. You better have an anchor with you when the storm hits. Come on, when you're out and the storm hits, you're not like, oh no, I got, I, I'm gonna go back in. I'm gonna get an anchor. No, 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 no. You either have an anchor or you don't have an anchor when the storm hits. Here's another idea about an anchor. Um, the anchor has to be outside the boat, right? Like how ridiculous would it be if you were in a storm and you see a, a boat that's being tossed all around, it's about to capsize, but the anchor's still in the boat. And you're like, bro, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm just anchored to my own peace. I'm anchored to burning sage and the, this, the universal energies. I just find it within myself. Come on, how, how ridiculous would it be if you threw your anchor in somebody else's boat? Well, my husband's my rock. My, my, my job is my security. Come on, how foolish would it be if you threw your anchor in seaweed? Well, the government's my hope. My horoscope keeps me grounded. Guys, here's the, here's, the, here's the reality. We're all anchored to something, but here's what I know. Here's what I know, okay? Is that if I'm anchored to anything outside of God, I will be lost when the storms of life crash in. If I'm anchored to anything outside of God, I will be lost when the storms come crashing because everything else is too weak. It will not hold in the day of trial and the day of trouble. Here's the, here's the truth to hold on to, guys. Dropping anchor in the things of God doesn't mean that you won't be in the storm. But dropping anchor in the things of God means you won't be lost in the storm. Come on, the storms are going to come one way or the other. The, the Lord causes the, uh, the sun to shine and the rain to come on the wicked and the righteous. Like the storms are going to come. Good days and bad days are going to come. Having the anchor and dropping it in the things of God means that you will not be crashed on the rocks in the midst of the storm. So we're going to take the next few weeks 
and we're gonna examine what immovable things God tells us to drop anchor in. And so every week we're gonna take a look at a different thing that we can tie our lives to, that we can build our lives on, that we can drop anchor into so that when the hurricanes come, come on guys, the hurricanes are coming. When the next COVID hits, come on somebody. When you get laid off, not if the war comes, when the war comes, not if when persecution comes, when persecution comes, that when those things happen, when the, when the tsunami comes, we'll still be found standing firm. And today, as we kick off the series, we're starting by anchoring our lives to the undisputed heavyweight champion of all time. Come on, somebody. The champ is here. The champ is here. Here's what Jesus says, John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And if we're gonna stand firm in the day of trial to the very end, we must anchor our lives to Jesus. There is no better person, place, or thing than to anchor our lives to than the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, Emmanuel God with us, the name that is above every name, the name in which every knee must bow and every tongue confess him, Lord, above the earth, under the earth, on the earth. He is Christ, he is King, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus the Christ. And if I am gonna stand firm to the end, what do I need to be anchored to? Here's the first thing I need to be anchored to. Here's the first thing. I need to be anchored to Jesus' salvation. Come on, if I'm gonna anchor my life to something, I better anchor my life to something that's firm, that's secure, that's immovable, and what will never change. And listen, what will never change is what Jesus Christ accomplished through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Here's, uh, here, here's a scripture that many of us may not know, okay? But I wanna unpack it for us, Hebrews 4, 16. It says, now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. So God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise, guess what, that's us. Those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Yeah, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. What does it do? It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, that's like 12 sermons, all right? But let me just at a high level, let me unpack this really quickly because it's so good, all right? It says that our hope is like an anchor dropped through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary where Jesus has already gone there for us. 
right? So if you know like the, like the temple layout in the Old Testament, right? In the, in, the, in the very beginning of the New Testament, there in, in Solomon's temple, eventually Herod's temple, right? That it got rebuilt. Is there, there were different places where different people could go. And as you worked in, it became more and more restrictive until you got all the way into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And there, there in that place, there was a 30 foot tall, 30 foot wide, thick curtain that separated literally the literal presence of God. Like literally God was in there. It separated the presence of God from sinful people. Because if sinful dust people found their way into God's presence, the holy God uninvited, they would just drop dead in the moment. And so God in his mercy put a curtain between him and everybody else. But when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, the curtain that separated God and man was torn in two. And here's a really important detail. That curtain was not torn from bottom to top as if we initiated the reconciliation. That curtain was torn from top to bottom because God looked down and when we could not reach up high enough to reach him, God reached down to us and he tore the curtain that separated us from him through the body of Jesus Christ. And what Hebrews uh, 6 right here, what Hebrews tells us is that the anchor for our soul is in that place. Come on, the chain of our lives leads to the anchor, which is thrown on the other side of that curtain, where if we went in in our humanness and our frailty and our sinfulness, we would be dead in the second. But Jesus went there before us. And now our hope is tied to Jesus who went beyond that veil for us. Jesus made a way for us to be able to know God. Jesus, through his sacrifice, made a way for us to be able to pray, for us to be adopted into the family of God. Jesus made a way for us to be born again, that now I am clean, now I am free. My sins are separated as far from me as the east is from the west. Even though my sins are like scarlet, I've been washed as white as snow. Why? Because Jesus tore the veil. Come on, this separated God from us. And now I've taken the anchor of my life. I've wrapped it around Jesus who went in before me. Because now through Christ, we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. And what Hebrews is saying is God didn't want us to live questioning or concerned or uncertain about whether or not we're made right with God. So he came down to our level. And he made a promise. He made an oath, even though, even though he didn't have to do that. He gave us what we needed to hear. Come on, why? Because we're sinful and we don't trust people. Come on, what happens if somebody's like, no, 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 I got you, bro, I'm gonna pay you back. You're like, no, you ain't. Promise, <laughs> promise. Come on, say it on your mama's life. You know what I'm saying? And so God knows that's how we are. And so here's what he did. God raised his hand and he said, I promise that because Jesus bled and died and rose again, you are forgiven through faith, by grace, not by works or else you could brag about it. It's the gift of God. And I make an oath that because Jesus has crossed through that curtain and he prays for you without ceasing, that you are eternally secure. I make an oath on that. Charles Spurgeon said this. This is, this is so beautiful. He said, this is a blessed anchor to the soul to know that my priest is within the veil. My king of righteousness and king of peace is before the throne of God for me, representing me. And therefore I am forever secure. What better anchor could the comforter himself devise for his people? 
Come on, I am anchored to the grace of God poured out at the cross. Where would I be without the cross? I am anchored to the finished work of Jesus Christ. I am anchored to what Jesus accomplished on my behalf. Come on, I cling to the cross. Come on, guys, I cling to the cross. I cling to God's grace when the waves are thrashing against my life. I cling to the cross. Come on, when sin washes over my life, I cling to the cross. When condemnation comes knocking, I cling to the cross. What else do we have? What do you have, your good works? Come on, what do you have, your righteous deeds? It's filthy, it's worthless. It can't make you right with God. It can't make you secure. It is a shaky foundation because you're good one day and you're sinful and broken and nasty the next. That is an unright and unwell way to live. So God made it right through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I sink my anchor down into that. I put both feet on that. I build my life on that. Come on, and his blood has not lost its power. His blood has not lost its power. Romans 5 is such good news. You see it just the right time. While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come on, leave that up there. The hope of my life is right there. Come on, I am lost and you are lost if that is not true. But it is the truest thing you will ever hear. So smile today. Come on, rejoice today. Stir your soul up again today that God did not wait for you to get your life together. Come on, so God does not kick you out the first time you sin. Why? Because he didn't wait for you to become righteous before he let you in because he knew you'd never be righteous. So Jesus came and that's good news and that's grace. So believe it, receive it, build your life on it, sink the anchor of your soul down into it. Because if you know that you are saved from hell itself, nothing will be able to shake you. Come on, what's the worst thing that can ever happen to you? You die? Okay, all right. No, it's good. That's great. It's better. It's better to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm building my life on the fact that I am right in God's sight because of the salvation that Jesus provides his people by grace, through faith. So what am I gonna, what am I gonna anchor to? I'm gonna anchor to Jesus' salvation. Here's the second thing I'm going to anchor to. I'm going to anchor to Jesus's presence. Jesus's presence. One of the most amazing promises that Jesus makes us is in his final parting words to the disciples. He gives them the great commission, and then he ends it with this in verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I have good news, guys. God always keeps his promises. He's not a man that he should lie, and he's always with us. He's always with us. I remember, I remember, I, mean, I got so many. I remember in 2004 um, when, when Summer and I were, were struggling, getting pregnant. I'm frustrated. I'm driving home, and um, uh, I'm praying at God, not to God, at God, right? We do that sometimes, right? Like, 
It's not really prayer. We're like venting to God. And, and I get home and I, 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 I turn off the car. I, I, I close the door. I take one step out and I hear as clear as day, their names will be Jeremiah and Isaac. And here's the reality, like, like the rejoicing obviously is, okay, wow, okay, yes, we have clarity on what's about to happen, but bigger than that, I knew I wasn't forgotten. You ever feel like, like the, the quarter that gets lost in the couch cushion, the remote that's underneath the couch, and like one day God's gonna remember you and be like, oh, he's gonna be cleaning up heaven, be like, oh, I forgot about that one, right? Like, <laughs> that's never happened. Like, you're not invisible. I know sometimes it feels like we're invisible. You're no... Jesus said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Just, just a, um, a few months ago, I had a really bad meeting, <laughs> really, really, really bad meeting. And um, I sunk down into my seat. And as I'm literally weeping, I said, God, I really need you right now. And his presence just... Whew. Just a few weeks ago, I was at a retreat and... Um, I'm not a very good processor, so lots of times God has to just like hit me with it. And um, it finally all hit. Like the last two, what, two and a half, whatever years, COVID, the stress of this transition, the, the, the family issues, the, the staff issues, getting my master's degree, like all that stuff, like at the same time, like it finally hit. The way I said it was, I said, it feels like I, I've been driving a, a truck, like an open bed truck full of millions of eggs and I just slammed on the brakes. And it's just like, I had just been barely holding it all together. Then it was like, blah, right? And so I'm sitting there at that retreat and I'm just like, like you know what I'm saying? Come on. Don't act like you never, like you, the embarrassing cry, right? And I'm sitting there across from like a friend of mine, <laughs> you know. But Jesus sat there with me. The arm around my shoulder, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Why? Because Jesus keeps his promises. And just like for many of you, the most precious moments of my life have been in God's presence. John 6, what's happened is Jesus just spent the day out in ministry and like many times, <laughs> come on, I know, some of y'all know this, I know this. When you've been around a lot of people, like you just wanna get away and I think sometimes Jesus would hide and I think they probably thought like Jesus was like, you know, off praying. I think he was like hiding behind a tree, like guys, just give me a second. And so that evening, the disciples went down to the shore to wait for him but his darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back. They're like, oh, okay, I guess we'll just go. <laughs> I don't know, what, what are they just gonna leave Jesus? Okay, sorry, that's a sub-narrative over there. All right, and they got into the boat and they headed across the lake towards Capernaum, back to their, their home base on the other side of the lake. And soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. The storm moved in and they had rowed for three or four miles. I don't know if you've ever rowed for that long. Like that's wearisome. When suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. I want us to pay attention to those words, I am here. Okay, that, that phrase, I am, in the Greek is ego eimi, ego eimi. And in the Greek, it's the same way of saying what God said to Moses in Exodus 3, Yahweh, which means I am. 
says, I am that I am. And so what Jesus is really saying here in John 6, 20, get this, when the storm's moving in, here's what he says, guys. Don't be afraid. The I am is here. Don't be afraid. The I am is here. And it's the same thing he says to us today. Come on, in the midst of politics, in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of bad bosses, in the midst of bad grades, come on, students. Jesus says, don't be afraid. The I am is here. How much would it change your life if you knew in every season of life, the I am is here? Come on, I'm gonna ask you a sensitive question. How would you have gone through COVID different if you knew the I am is here? How would you go through financial difficulties different if you knew the I am is here? How would you go through the loss of a loved one different if you knew the I am is here? Do not be afraid. The I am is here. This whole thing's about presence. Come on, I'm gonna read you a whole chapter of the Bible. It's short, don't freak out. <laughs> Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's all about presence. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Come on, we need some saving from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It's chaos, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in your hand so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and on the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Yeah, grab a hold of that. Anchor in that. Guys, let's make it real. Some of us are freaking out about elections right now. The world wants to control you through fear. Perfect love drives out fear. This is the most important election in the history of the world. It's all fear mongering. Oh, listen, listen, I'm not saying elections don't matter. Elections matter. Election, elections impact our daily life, okay? I don't know what yours says, though. My Bible says that the government will be on Jesus' shoulders. So it doesn't matter who gets elected. Jesus is still king. Come on. And we're still going to love God. And we're still going to love people. Come on. We're still going to serve people. Come on. We're still going to lay our lives down. We're still going to let our light shine so that others will see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. No matter what happens, no matter if your person gets in or their person gets in or their person gets in out there, you're going to be okay. 
Why? Because your anchor is not in Washington. And your anchor is not in a politician. Your anchor is sunk down in the reality that the I am is here. And if the I am is here and he's with us even to the very end of the age, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid because I'm anchored in the fact that I'm never alone. So what am I gonna anchor to to stand firm? I'm gonna anchor in Jesus's salvation. I'm gonna anchor in Jesus's presence. And then I'm gonna be anchored to Jesus's love. Guys, if there's one thing in this world that we can rest in and take safety in and anchor to, it's the love of God. Things may come, things may go, seasons may change, but there's one thing that will never change. What will never change is how much God loves you. And Paul prays this in Ephesians 3. He says, for this reason, guys, I kneel before the Father in heaven from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may all be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What Paul is praying is this. Did you catch the language? May you sink your roots down deep. May you be anchored in God's love. May you be tied to God's love. Because when the tsunamis come and all of your circumstances say that God has abandoned you, may you be anchored, may your roots go down deep in it, that you may know that no matter what happens, God is still smiling over your life. It's a love that we can know and it's a love that we can experience. I love this, A.W. Tozer says, knowledge by acquaintance is always better than knowledge by description. In other words, this love of God is not just a theological love. It's not just a love for us to talk about, preach about, put points about up on the screen. It's a love that you can experience. In other words, my wife, Summer, like I want her to know that she loves, that I love her, right? Like I want, well, I want her to know that too. Like she loves me, but hopefully she should know that. But I want her to know that I love her, right? Like I don't, I, I don't want to live by like, I told you that one time when we got married. That's enough, right? No, like, I want her to know that I love her, but I also want her to know what it feels like that her husband loves her, right? The experiential side of love. Like, I want her to know not just words or an idea or that there's a ring on her finger. I want her to know what affection feels like. I want her to know what security feels like. I want her to know what provision feels like. I want her to know what appreciation actually feels like. To move beyond the head, to go into the heart. And that's what God wants for us as well. 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. We've come to know and to believe. Listen, this is John, right? Always pay attention to who's writing. John. This is John, like pretty much like the little brother of Jesus and the disciples, right? 
Like this is John called the beloved. This is John who he said, I'm the one that Jesus loves, right? This is John, the one at the last supper who laid his head on Jesus's chest. This is one of the only people who knows what Jesus's heartbeat sounds like. And he says, we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. That word know in the Greek, here's what it means. It means to become familiar with over time through experience. It's not just a knowing. It means I'm familiar with something through experience. And that word believe in the Greek means to place confidence in. And so what it's saying is this, is that God's love is something that we can become familiar with over time through experience to the point that we get confidence in it and we can build our life on it because it's bigger than a sermon. It's bigger than a verse that I read in the book or a memory verse or something like that. No, it's something that I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I've been through trial. I've been through the fire and God was with me every step of the way. He never forsake me and he smiled upon my life and it warmed my heart. It kept my heart warm to the things of God. When everybody else's heart was growing cold and icy in the troubles and the trials, his love kept my heart warm to God. And when everybody else turned their back and went away during COVID, I pressed into Jesus during COVID. When a third of Christians said, no, 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 that I'm, you know, I was, it was just more of a convenience or a status sort of a thing. No, my heart said, no, this is the real deal. I've tasted it, I've seen it, I've, I've felt it, I've experienced it, I have confidence in it so I can build my life on it. And it's his love that causes us, listen, even when the world is crashing down and the tsunami is heading our way, it's the love of God that anchors us and keeps our life from crashing on the rocks. In fact, his love is so great. Listen, Romans 8, 31. I'm gonna read you this last chunk of scripture. Here it is. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Come on, if he gave his son, won't he give us everything? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Why? Because the veil's been torn. Come on, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Come on, can anything ever separate us? Can anything ever separate you from the love of Jesus? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean that if, if all of life comes crashing down around us, the scripture says, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. They were being murdered for their faith. Does that mean that God has forsaken us? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Come on, no threat of war, no election, no political ads, no inflation, no gas prices, no kids going crazy, no spouse going sideways, no COVID, no layoffs, no persecution, no stress, no storms. Not, not even hell itself can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Nothing, 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 nothing. Come on, World War III breaks out tomorrow. Nothing, nothing. Earthquake happens right outside the front doors. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Life crumbles, cancer comes, loved ones leave. Nothing, nothing. Kids turn their back on you. Nothing, nothing. Disappointment, layoffs. Maybe not a promotion, a demotion. Nothing. Dreams dying. Nothing will be able to separate you ever from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's something I can anchor my life to. That's something in the day of fire (laughs) that I'll still be found standing firm. Anchored to Jesus' salvation, anchored to Jesus' presence, anchored to Jesus' love. And if I do that, I'll still be found standing firm to the very end, no matter what comes. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want us to do, okay? I want us to do something maybe we haven't done before or maybe done in a while. I'm going to ask you to go through a little exercise just real quick. And so if you got your phone, pull it out of your pocket. Do not check social media. (laughs) Don't check that text that's sitting there. I want you to open up a note. Or if you got some paper, hey, if you're, you're, go old school, that's cool. You got a typewriter, it's even better. Like, (laughs) whatever that is. Pull out some way where you can write for a second. This is important. I don't want you to think about it. When we think things, we skip stuff. I want you to write it because that forces you to articulate what's inside your heart. Here's what I want you to spend a minute on. Can we put this up here? God, I'm worried about this. Or God, I'm struggling about this. Let's just spend a minute on that, okay? Come on, Hamilton Mill, Midtown, North Cobb, online. Just take one minute. God, I'm worried about this. I'm struggling with this. I'm fearful about this. God, I'm not sure about this. Take a minute. Psalms, David makes a practice of pouring his heart out to God. It wasn't just like a one sentence. There's emotion there. I encourage you, 
to have moments where you can share emotion with the Lord. I'm a little fearful about this. I'm a little concerned about that. I'm a little worried about this. And so you may need to kind of dot, dot, dot and complete those thoughts in just a minute when we're finished. Let's take a second on this, this second thing. God, what do you have to say about it? God, what do you have to say about what I'm worried about? And God, right now, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And I want you to write God's response. I believe that God's people can hear his voice. Okay, God's speaking a whole lot more than we're listening. So God, what do you have to say about what I'm worried about? What do you have to say about what I'm struggling with? Let's take a minute. finish that in in just a minute. But God, here's my prayer for us is that you would help us to trust you and be anchored to you no matter what comes. No matter what difficulty, struggle, trial, fire, or troubles we find ourselves in. God, I thank you that you've never forsaken us You've never forgotten us and you'll be with us always, even to the very end of the age. God, I thank you that you're with your people. God, I thank you that you're even shining your love down upon us today. As we are anchored into the finished work of Jesus, how the curtain has been torn. <laughs> that the anchor and the hope for our souls tied around Jesus. And the good news is this, is that the door is always open until you breathe your last breath. And so the door is open for you right now to come into a saving faith, a transforming faith, a rebirthing faith in Jesus Christ. But this isn't just a get out of hell free card. What this is, this is saying, God, I'm giving you my life. So I'm submitting my will and my desires under your will and your desires. What you say becomes true in my life because I'm not king, you're king. That's what submission looks like. That's what faith looks like. And so let's do this. If you say today, I need to come to faith in Jesus. I need to anchor my life to Jesus because my anchor's in my own boat right now. I'm trying to save myself. My anchor's been in somebody else's boat. I'm hoping that maybe I'll get into heaven because my mom or my grandma was a Christian. It doesn't work like that. It's my anchor in Jesus. Today, God's calling you to put your anchor in Jesus. And so if that's you today, across all of our campuses in this room right now, say, if I need today to put my anchor in Jesus, let's lift our hands. Today, God's calling you to faith. 
This is a transformative, life-altering decision. And so let's do this. Come on, you can put your hands down, but keep, keep your heart in a, in, a, in a raised posture. And let's pray like this. Family of God, I invite you to pray with us. Come on, Jesus, today, I confess you're the son of God. You died for my sins. So right now, I repent and I turn from my sins, my brokenness. God, I repent for not being anchored to Jesus, for doubting your presence, from running away from your love. Today, I turn my heart to Jesus and I say, you are my king and you are my savior. I belong to you and I receive what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Right now, I am saved by grace through faith. I am born again. I am clean. I am free. I'm a child of God. I belong to God for the rest of my life and I'll live for you the rest of my days. Help me to sink my anchor deep down into the love of God, the presence of God, and the salvation that Jesus brings now and forevermore. Come on, let's lift up our hands. This is our sign of surrender to God. It's just saying, God, I'm not holding anything back. God, you have my, my whole heart, my whole life, past, present, and future. I am yours, and I anchor my life to Jesus. Help victory forevermore. Us, we, our families, our kids, our community in this house be a church that stands firm to the very end and is saved for the glory of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys.